Buenos días, me llamo Miguel, soy el pastor de la iglesia. Bienvenidos a... Uh, that's all I got. Uh, it was... Hey. <laughs> I was much more than 9, 9.30 as the guinea pig, and I had to ask them, okay, did I just offend anyone? Um, good morning, my name is Michael, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're very excited to have you with us today. Uh, this glorious day to worship and praise our Savior, Jesus Christ. You might notice that we will be having the translation going on during the service, and... I hope that doesn't distract anyone, mainly me, and I would also like to say that I apologize for things that are lost in translation, um, because even in English, I'm not always sure what I say, so I apologize beforehand. We are in the middle of a series called Summer at the Movies. It is something we do every summer, something that allows us to kind of relax uh, as a worship team and designing uh, of the crafting of the service, and uh, you may notice I'm wearing shorts uh, today. Uh, that is not how I normally preach. Um, well, it is during the summer, but not during the year. We want everybody just to feel comfortable as they come to worship Christ in their own way. Uh, sometimes people worship in suits and uh, cufflinks and ties. Other times people worship in whatever they have on. And that's the way Jesus calls us, is to be who we are, all we are to him every day. We have been doing sports movies uh, this year for Summer at the Movies. And if you haven't been here, you've missed Cinderella Man, a great boxing movie, um, The Legend of Bagger Vance, a golf movie, and last week you missed Cars, which is a NASCAR movie. And there was debate as to whether or not NASCAR qualifies as a sport. I think we came out in favor of, uh, since it's, you know, right behind the NFL in popularity, I think it has to be. Uh, so <clears throat> today we are moving on and uh, talking about hockey. Uh, which is a sport that many... How many of you play hockey? Pete, I know you do. <laughs> That's because you're from Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. Those of us who grew up in Texas are like, hockey, you want to get on ice, like, on purpose? You're going to step on ice? Wow, that's interesting. But hockey, uh, you know, this is a, the movie Miracle. You might have noticed by the popcorn is what we're talking about today. And great movie. I'm going to ruin it for you right now. They win. You know, Titanic, the boat sinks. It's not a shock. They win the game. But this movie is just a, a wonderful story. It's an exciting movie, even if you know what's going to happen. It is, it's one of those movies and one of those moments in time that gives us a great line. I, I don't know. I, I, sports guys, you know, color commentary guys, I think they sit at home in front of a mirror with a microphone or hairbrush or something and practice lines. You know, uh, Jim Nance, who does the Masters every year, a tradition unlike any other. You know, I think he's practiced that line forever. And, you know, he finally gets to use it at the Masters. And, you know, whoever the guy was that did, the Mets won the pennant, the Mets won the... You know, some certain lines ring through time. There's a line from this movie, from this event in time, that a sportscaster said that really sums it up. Does anybody remember the line that this guy got to say? What is it? Shout it out. Do you believe in miracles? Remember, this is what the sportscaster says. And it's been repeated since it's happened on sports shows across time. Do you believe in miracles? Well, the reason he shouts that is because what just happened was a miracle. What just happened was something amazing and tremendous. The United States, not known for our hockey prowess, goes to the 1980 Olympics and takes the gold medal. 
We go in and we beat countries like Canada, eh? We beat countries like Russia. We beat countries that are hockey. And us, we come in, baseball, basketball, football playing guys come in and win the gold medal. It was amazing. It was like, you know, the shot heard around the world. It was a slap shot heard around the world. It was an amazing event for that time and that period in that sport. It was a a tremendously large miracle in the sports world. And, And the thing is that it's not just the fact that they won the gold medal. It was how they did it or it was who they did it with. It was the team that made up the United States hockey team that won, which made this such a miraculous event. There's a clip that we're going to see right now that kind of sums it up why that is the case. And and I want to give a sermon general warning here. There is, you know, we talk about heaven in the Bible. We talk about hell in the Bible. um, And that word is used twice in this not talking about heaven or hell, and we didn't bleep it out. I apologize. That's my fault. I told them this morning, hey, do you know that this is said twice? And they're like, you couldn't tell us this earlier this week. Um, Typical me stuff. So I apologize in advance. So let's watch this clip right here. first day here. We've got a week of this. What about the advisory staff? Aren't they supposed to have a say in this? You're missing some of the best players. I'm looking for the best players. Craig, I'm looking for the right ones. You have Jim Craig to back up Janicek? Other way around. Other way around? Sorry, didn't Janice was win you a national championship? Janice is a solid goaltender, but we're not playing for the national championship here, Craig. You know, people I speak to say Craig's game is in off since his mom died. <laughs> you never see him when his game's on. Hughes, Ross, OJ, Delic, Porsche, Strobel, Kristoff. 
Morrow, Suter, Ramsey, Janicek, Christian, Pavlich, Perkota, Baker, Harrington, Schneider, O'Callaghan, McClanahan, Silk, Johnson, Frey, Cox, Ruzioni. And that's the roster for now. Rest of you, thanks for coming in. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 I'm reading from. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them all look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. I love the assistant coach's reaction to the final roster that the head coach gives them. He says, this is the final roster? Is this a joke? And the reason he says this is because, like he says, you're leaving out some of the best players. We've scheduled a whole week of tryouts for this Olympic squad, the, you know, one of the biggest deals for our sport, and you're leaving out the best players. And even... I don't know if you caught it, but there was a goalie that just won a national title that this coach had on his team. And he's like, yeah, no, he's not our starting goalie. Crazy. Are you going to check with all of our advisors? No. This is our squad. I need one day to figure it out. He says, I'm not looking for the best people. I'm looking for the right people. Human wisdom, the wisdom of the hockey gods is blown out of the water. And this coach says, no, this is the team I want. These nobodies. You know, I think that Jesus probably had a similar reaction when he chose his final squad. When he was going through and he was picking the people that would follow him, the disciples. I'm sure that people looked at him and said, seriously, this is your final roster? A bunch of fishermen and angry tax collector, and this is who you're going with. Because here's the deal. This is why what, who Jesus chose was kind of like this hockey team. In that day and age, if you were a boy, and, and there's debate about this, but I truly believe that disciples were younger than we think. John was probably around 12, 13 years of age, up to Peter that was maybe 21. They were younger. They were younger guys that that should have been doing something else if they were good. 
See, when you were that age and in that time period, what you would have done is you would have, when you, when you were growing up, studied the Torah. You would have studied the scriptures. You would have memorized them, not just studied them. You would have known them to the point where somebody could say, Genesis, go. And you'd start in the beginning with, and you just go right through it. You would go straight through the books because you knew it and that was what you did. And then when you got to the point of being 12, 13 years of age, you would start basically, I like to think of it this way, you would start applying for school. You would start applying to different colleges. You'd send out your little resume and your, your pictures, and you'd say, well, you know, my father, I do extracurricular fishing activities on the weekends, and I've studied the scriptures for this many years, and, uh, you know, my SAT scores were this. And you send it out to different rabbis, and you say, will you take me under your tutelage so that I may learn from you? And John would have done this, and Simon, and Andrew, and Nathaniel, and all the disciples would have done this. And one thing we know about them is that they were all put on the wait list. They were all turned down. We regret to inform you that we do not have a place for you at our school at this time. Anybody ever got the thin envelope when you're applying for uh, school? You know, the thin envelope, that's the bad one to get. The thick one's good, thin one bad. They all got thin ones. They went to rabbis and said, can we study on you? I want to learn more about the text, more about God, so that I too one day can be a teacher, a rabbi. And they said, thank you for applying, but we think you'd make a better fisherman. That's why they were in that boat the day Jesus walked by. And you think Jesus would have looked for the best possible people. He would have looked for the scholars, the great smart people of the day. You think he would have chosen those people, but he didn't. He went and he chose the people that no one wanted. He was walking along the beach and he sees two brothers out fishing. He goes, hey, follow me. What do they do? They drop their nets and they follow him. A rabbi wanted them. Finally, someone wanted them. That's all they wanted was to learn under a rabbi. And here comes this guy and they already know something about him is different. And he says, come follow me. You bet I'm going to follow you. He chose the people that no one wanted. I'm sure his assistant coach looks at the list of 12 and goes, seriously, this is your roster. Okay, I can get behind Matthew. He's a smart guy. He's good with numbers. Okay, maybe. Simon, okay, he's pretty smart. He's loud, obnoxious, but okay, we'll take him. John, are you kidding me? He's going down the list. We have so many better other people to choose from, and these are the guys you're choosing. Yeah, that's my team. That's my team. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm those people. See, that story and the knowledge that they were the ones no one wanted gives me such great comfort because I don't know how many times I feel like I've gotten that thin envelope. I don't know how many times I've looked at myself and said, God, you want me on the final roster? Are you sure? There are people that have graduated from much finer institutions than Southwest Texas State University. There are people that have gone through their lives and and lived a much holier life than I, and you want me on your team? Really? Somebody that works here at the church, some of you might know her. Her name's Debbie Chesney. She and I have a similar sense of humor. Bad. And we, when we're together, it's, it's really kind of funny. We like to say that God and Jesus are sitting in heaven laughing that we are on his team. Going, ha, ha. 
Can you believe we put those two people to work for us? And in leadership positions? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, I was telling the story at 930. It got back to Debbie. Debbie comes and tells me something that makes it even more precious. She was doing the children's uh, sermon today in the sanctuary. And at 930, she did it, wait for it, with her fly down. It is true because you told me that you did it. Yes, I mean, these are the type of things that God and Jesus must be sitting back just laughing hysterically. Okay, the pastor of this church mowed his lawn yesterday in Crocs, and now he's preaching in them. The same ones. There's a little green stain on them from the grass. This is who you've chosen to lead? This is who you've chosen to work for you, to be on your squad? Yeah. I don't want the best. I want the right people. I'm not looking for the perfectly polished individual. You know, a lot of times, especially back in King Solomon's day, the worth of a person was seen by how, how they looked, by their grandeur. Strong, solid, like a cedar tree was good. But God sees deeper than that. God sees deeper into something that he's created. He has known us from the beginning of time. When we were being created in our mother's womb, he knew us. He knew who we would be. And he wants us on his team. I love the end of this clip. It's my favorite part of the clip is the end of it. When they're calling out the names of the guys. This morning during rehearsal, when we were watching the clip, I was... I was listening to this, watching this, and I got, I got goosebumps because it was so cool. I wasn't thinking about the hockey players at that moment. I was, I was hearing in my voice, in my head, I hear voices, Crocker, Anderson, Duncan, Joffe, Smith, Navarro, Pritchard. I was hearing our names called. God sitting up there going, this is who I want on my team. All right, I'm going to take Crocker. I'm going to take this guy. I'm going to take... They may not be the best, but they're the ones I want. They're the ones that I want to lead. They're the ones I want to move forward and to carry my love to the world. Whatever your name is, fill in the blank. Because he's calling you also. He's calling each and every one of you to something to something great. Maybe he's calling Philip to work at Home Depot to help people design bathrooms and kitchens, but maybe he's calling Philip to be there to share the love of Christ with the people that walk through the doors of that store. Maybe he's there to share the love of Christ with a fellow co-worker. Philip might not be the best employee at Home Depot, but maybe he's the right one. Because not everybody's called to be on stage. Thank goodness. Because it would be crowded. Maybe he calls Julie to be a mom, to lead in her home, to show her children how to love God. Maybe he's calling. You're like, is he going to call on me? Maybe he's calling you to be where you are. And maybe you don't think that you're the best. Maybe you look at your life and go, you know what? There's no way that God can use me. But if he can use me, I guarantee you. If he can use Debbie Chesney, I guarantee you. If he can use us, 
He can use you. And He wants to desperately use you. He wants to be standing there with the roster and Jesus Christ calling out your name. He wants you to lead and to be His people where you are. He doesn't care if you have all the money in the world. He doesn't care if you're a child who lives in an orphanage in Mexico. He wants you to be who He's created you to be and to lead the love of Christ. The guy screams out in the movie, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? I ask you the question, do you believe in miracles? I tell you what, knowing where I've been in my life, knowing the things I have done, the times that I probably should have died, the times that I definitely should have been thrown in jail, and the fact that I am here leading a congregation of God's people and preaching the word of God means that miracles happen. The fact that I can rest easy at night knowing that my Savior died for me. That in the end, no matter what happens to my life, what happens to my world, as I have the love of Christ inside of me and have accepted the sacrifice and salvation of Jesus Christ, I know that the victory is won. I believe in miracles because I look at my life and I see what God has done. I know that I have failed and I know I have fallen short of the glory of God. And I know that tomorrow... Sometime later today, maybe right now, I will fall short again. I know that's going to happen. I know that there are going to be better preachers in this world than me. I know that there are. A lot of them dwell right here in this room probably. Some of them down the hall. I know that there will be people better suited to do pastoral counseling. Better suited to teach the Bible. That know the Bible better than me. But you know what? I know that I am right somewhere. I know that God has created me perfectly for something. And that he wants to use me. And that's a miracle in and of itself. You might be thinking, Michael, that's great. I'm glad that you went through all that you went through and that you've come through on the other side and that you've found the light and that you've given your life to Christ, but you don't know what I've done. But you don't know where I am in my life right now. There's no way that God could want me. That's what the world wants you to believe. That's what the world wants to tell you. The evil one wants to whisper into your ear. You know what? You're not worthy. You're not the right person for this. You're not the best person for this. God could use somebody somebody so much better. Smarter, funnier, kinder, prettier, stronger. Oh, man. It's time to erase those thoughts from your mind. It's time to cast that aside and to hear your name being called by a loving Father who pursues you with everything that He is. Think of the fact that He gave up His Godship to come here on earth, to walk among us, to suffer and die for us, and to conquer death so that we might sit here today and listening at home and know the love of Jesus Christ. And know that no matter who we are, God has called our name. At the end of the clip of our life, God is reading off the roster name. In Revelations, it talks about the stone tablets in white where the names are chiseled and they will never be erased again. That's the victory of Christ. That's the victory of knowing a loving father, a king who pursues us, a king of glory question is, do you believe in miracles? Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, you're the creator of all things. You're a loving king. You're a savior and redeemer. Father, I pray that you would give each of us the strength and courage to listen for our names. And to know, Lord, to know that you love us more than anything and desperately want us to hear the call. Desperately want us to believe in miracles. Give us the strength to answer that call. And to not struggle to be the best person, but to be the right person. The person that you've created us to be. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.